0: Welcome back. Richard, it's good to see you this morning. Happy, hey, happy October. Okay. Uh, happy it's October. First October. Yeah. No, well, we had last week uh, was our first uh, October podcast, but that uh, we're 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 well into October now. We we've uh, you know what it feels
1: like? it feels like we're careening into the holidays, right? I mean That's right. we're just hurtling hurtling into the holidays um you as know, quickly as we did.
0: And just speaking of the holidays, that kind of is an interesting segue to the topic that we're going to cover today, because um, yeah. <laughs> we're, going to, we're going to talk a little bit about tantrums and meltdowns and uh, all of those challenging emotional uh, experiences that, that
1: our youngsters give us sometimes. Right. This is one of those problems that continues to occur both in home at home, in homes, but also in classrooms. Um, These become very disruptive, and teachers are reporting that they're experiencing more and more of these in in younger children. It's typically in preschool and the early uh, primary grades where um, kids are having these emotional meltdowns. We want to do a couple of things. We want to talk about how to manage them. First thing we want to do is differentiate sort of the garden variety temper tantrum Right. From what we call emotional meltdowns, because there is a difference right. between the two. It's an important difference of, in, in terms of how you handle it.
0: Right. It, it's a, yeah, it's a pretty significant difference. But, you know, we we've talked in previous podcasts about um, stages in life, uh, periods in life where we undergo significant changes. And one of those times when we when um, our little ones go through significant changes is around the age of two, two and a half, somewhere around right. there. And their their brain goes through this massive adjustment um and so it's not surprising that you know just after the age of two you see an explosion in language use yeah right an explosion in in, in mm-hmm. gross and fine motor skills and we, we see all of those skills beginning to emerge around two two and a half and and it's around that time just like our our communication skills um explode our our gross and fine motor skills explode so do our emotional and social skills. And so around that stage in life, kids start to try to pull away from their parents. One of their favorite words is no. Um, right. they, they want to uh, control things. They want to be able to manage things. And so the kid goes from this sweet, <laughs> adoring little, um, little, little thing, little yeah, little, thing, little chair. Right. And all of a sudden now they right. are Imagine- a, a tyrant.
1: Yeah. When, when kids are born, when children are first born, they just don't have the neurons. They're not born with the neurons to do kindergarten. Um, and they're very dependent on us. They'll cry and they'll, they'll cry to get their needs met. Um, but, but, but at about age two and a half, there's this explosion of new neurons and those are the neurons they're going to use to learn how to ride a bicycle and go to kindergarten and do all the things that a, that a five or six year old can do. Um, And they also, so they also develop competence. They they have increased competence because they have increased neurons. They have the neurons to do things. So when kids, they they call them the terrible twos or terrible threes. Mm -hmm. When kids go through this stage, when they start to say no, they're not defiant. They're simply saying, no, I can do this myself now. Or no, I really want to do this myself. Right. But that word no... Because it usually comes with a little bit of emotion, back you know, it's a hot no, um, uh, frightens parents and they 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 want to slam the door on this, you know, oh this kid's becoming defiant, he's not yeah. becoming defiant, he's becoming competent, and well, and so, and and, you know, and it's because
0: parents use no as a form of control. Um, right. they perceive the child's use of no as a way to control. And, and as though the child is trying to control them, and it's not so much that the child is trying to control them, is that, as you said, the child is trying to demonstrate some competence, that they have some ability to do
1: something on their own. Um, yeah, they begin to go to the bathroom by themselves. Think of it. It's it's about the time that kids get toilet trained. Right. They can do these very personal tasks on their own now. They have the competence, they have the biological wherewithal to do these things on their own. And right. so the resistance that you feel as a parent is not disobedience. It's not defiance, it's competence. You know, right. think of it as these kids are trying to do things on their own. That's, that's all this is about, but they can get pretty worked up. Right. And there are times when if they don't get what they want, uh, they don't certainly don't have the language skills yet to, to articulate exactly what they need. So they resort to more primitive Mean so they reach into their toolkit mm-hmm. which at age two or three doesn't have a lot of tools right they reach into their toolkit and they pull out the temper tantrum say well, maybe this will work maybe if I throw myself on the floor maybe I'll get my mother's attention maybe I'll get somebody's okay so they hurl themselves on the floor and they have one of these um, emotional moments that we call a temper tantrum
0: and as you do at the yeah. most ideal time like in the line at the grocery <laughs> store or in, um, you in know the frozen in food the- section. Right. Um, Right. But, 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 you know, so far, all of this is normal, normal stuff. Right. This is, this is typical stuff that almost every parent goes through almost every child goes through. And, and it's just what, as you said, it's just the tools that the kid has to be able to get their needs met. You know, an infant only has one tool. An infant can only cry. That's the only (laughs) thing that an infant can do. That's all a baby can do. Yeah. As they get older, and they get a little bit bigger and stronger and have a little bit, uh, their skill set grows a little bit. Now we can get into these, you know, full on temper tantrums, but it's just a tool to communicate.
1: That's all. Right. Right. And so what we advise parents to do is just ignore the tantrum. Because what you want the child to learn is that, oh, this tool doesn't work very well. So right. if it's not going to work if this item throw it out. I'm going to get rid of it. OK, like, like we do with any tool. Right. So that's why we tell parents just ignore these tantrums they're going to go away. Mm-hmm. The, the just show the child that they don't work and the child will stop using them, okay? Right. However, there are kids who are wired differently and they don't let go of these tantrums and right. in fact they will escalate and move toward what we call an emotional meltdown, okay? right? And that's a very different set of circumstances than a typical garden variety temper tantrum, right? And, and this, let's let's be fair from the outset.
0: Um, you know, sometimes, uh, especially <laughs> in cases where parents don't ignore the temper tantrums and things like that, right? Normal temper tantrums can, um, it, you know, they can accelerate and they can uh, they can grow and become what we look at as meltdowns, there's still temper tantrums, but there are temper tantrums that were learned because it's, you know, when when temper tantrums aren't ignored, the child says, Oh, this is a a form of communication that's effective. And so then they start to use it more and they use it it more effectively and more loudly and more physically. Mm -hmm. And so when we don't, when parents don't use those healthy strategies of, of ignoring and, and, you know, not giving in, then we can get to a very similar place but even then those meltdowns those um, those meltdowns that are sort of exaggerated temper tantrums are still different than the emotional meltdowns that we're talking about here
1: that's right right if you if you're a parent or grandparent any kind of a caretaker and you've ignored the temper tantrum done the, the typical ignoring and walk away and that it doesn't take many tries for a kid to learn that it's not going to work. I mean, you do it a handful of times and the child learns that these tantrums don't work, so I'll try something else. If you've ignored, religiously ignored, and the tantrums continue or they become more intense, mm-hmm. okay, and, and there are kids, because of their emotional makeup, their, their tantrums have a very different flavor. Uh, right. There's an intensity to them that you don't see in a regular temper tantrum. And, it, and it's alarming to parents. It will alarm the most parents. Um, they will, they'll hit siblings, they'll hit parents. Um, there's, there's just a, a different morphology, a different taste, a different flavor to an emotional meltdown. And it's part of a child's emotional regulation. And that's what the parents can key in on is that a temper tantrum occurs in a child who handles most things quite well, uneventful, okay, the, the emotional system seems to be working, they seem to be able to regulate their emotions, do the things we ask them to do, kids who have emotional meltdowns, the emotional meltdown is a, is a symptom of emotional dysregulation, and you're right. probably going to notice it in other areas as well, you're going to notice that this child, and parents will come in and say, this child, this child is just different from my other kids. There's right. an intensity. Uh, they're more strong-willed. They're more determined. They're more. They are more defiant. Right for no reason. Right so because they're trying to get something. It's just they don't. They're. 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 They are they are they they do not have the emotional control right. that the other kids have. And it. And it's. And they do see
0: it in other areas because what they'll often say is that he. he he or she is just more emotionally reactive to everything. He to everything he gets more sad than you would expect over mm-hmm. sad things. He gets more excited over exciting things than you would expect. Um, so there, there's a there's an exaggeration to all emotions, not just mm-hmm. the the you know temper tantrum type emotions, the not getting what you want emotions. Um, it's all over. And so ignoring in these situations don't really work. Because what, what's right. really what happening is the child is just losing emotional control. And, right. and now, even if you ignore it, 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 the child is still out of control. Um, and so we're, we, we're working to identify some new ways to, to manage some of this. And uh, the, the article that we're pulling from today is from Attitude magazine. And it's called mm-hmm. When Angry Kids Lash Out, How to Diffuse Explosive Reactions. Um, and, and there's some good advice in here, um, not too dissimilar from some of the stuff we've talked about from like Ross Green and some of the other people who have worked with a, and talked about explosive kids and explosive reactions to things. That's right.
1: And so if, if just to review, a tantrum is a tool that a kid will use to get something, but between the tantrums that most of the behavior is OK. a meltdown. Is about emotional dysregulation. It's a it's an intense emotional response that could include aggressive behavior, um, destroying toys, destroying property, breaking things. So it's a very very different um, very different phenomenon. And a, a temper tantrums um, affect the child and the parent for a few minutes a meltdown can affect the entire family. I mean, it disrupts right. the entire family because everybody can get drawn into it. And for, and for so, a longer period of time. And for a longer, right, right. It can go on for a, a temper tantrum, lasts for a couple of minutes, maybe, okay. Mm-hmm. If you walk away, it lasts for a few seconds. Um, but a meltdown can go on for an hour or more. Okay? Right. So this article presents what we might call best practices. What should I do in the event that I'm dealing with a... Uh, an emotional meltdown right and what we did is we we broke the advice into three parts right what do you do before the meltdown what do you do during the meltdown And what do you do after the meltdown
0: yeah and i, and I think it, it goes without saying and, and it's something that we as a as a culture i think uh i think it's safe to say that we're not really good at and that and that is prevention <laughs> we're not we, we tend to be a very reactive culture and and so it, it's we, we tend to you know it's not a problem until it's a problem and so we we yeah. wait until the the problem arises and, and then we do something but the best approach the best strategy is prevention um right you no know, right. th- there are there are things that you can do um just by kind of sitting and, and thinking about things a little bit there are things that you can do that will significantly decrease the likelihood or the risk of some of these meltdowns. If you know, if you know that every time you go to Walmart, he's going to ask for something. And when you say no, he's going to have a meltdown. You might want to consider not taking him to Walmart. Um, I I worked at a school and we had a kid that that every Friday he had a horrible meltdown and And we, we were trying to tease this apart and figure out what was going on. And it didn't take long to realize that he had a meltdown every time he didn't earn Fun Friday and he didn't, he didn't earn Fun Friday because of something that happened on Tuesday or Wednesday, but he doesn't earn it. And when he doesn't earn it, he can't handle it. And he ends up having to be sent home um, early in the day because he completely loses control.
1: Right, right. And so that's right. So the first the most important thing is to prevent. Look at your day, where are the hot spots, where are the bad spots, where is your nuclear hour? Um, who are playmates that are not good to be with? You know, and you have to go through all that stuff. Once the once a meltdown occurs, right? Okay. So you do all you can to prevent. Sometimes you can. Once it occurs, there's a couple of important steps you can take. Right. One is you have to you have to learn you and the child have to learn some de escalation strategies. How do I when I see the when I see the meltdown coming, what can I do? Right. Um, well, one thing you can do is learn how to de-escalate. What right. does that mean? You have to remain calm. If you right. get worked up, child's gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna make it worse. It's like gas times, is on
0: fire. Absolutely. How many times do parents say, you know, well, he gets going and man, I just the parent gets pulled into it and then the parent becomes almost dysregulated um really agitated and angry and they get in their kid's face and they will you know uh, you know propose threats you know if you if you don't stop right now this is going to happen you know you're you're talking about a kid who's emotionally dysregulated and then you're threatening him what do you think is going i mean it's going to continue the 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 dysregulation clearly
1: yeah so what you have to do de-escalation is everybody move back you know don't Right. Reduce confrontations. Lower your voice. um, Get at the eye level of the child. um, Give the child some distance. Don't get up close because it's going to be the child's going to perceive it as a threat. So don't do don't do or say anything that the child might perceive as threatening behavior. So first of all, you deescalate. Second, you can create diversions. Um, If you create a diversion, you, it, the diversion allows the child to regain control of something, okay? Mm-hmm. And because that's what you want, all right? And the other thing is um, you have to avoid um, trying to do consequences or trying to argue with the child or trying to reason with the child. It's like you can't do anything about a hurricane when the winds are blowing at 150 miles an hour, okay? Right. You, that's not, you can't do anything. It's too late to prevent, right. and you're not ready for cleanup. Back up, just back up. Let the storm occur. You can deal with everything else in the third phase, which is what do you do after the event occurs? Right.
0: One of the one of the important aspects I think of about creating a diversion, um, you know, giving them a way to gain, regain control, and you know, maybe even distracting them from what has upset them. Right. This is not a time, you know. Let's. While we're not going, we're going. We're not going to punish. We're not going to apply consequences and things like that. We also have to avoid making promises for things that right. that are inappropriate. Um, so often pa- parents will say, you know, the kid is melting down and the parent will say, hey, do you want to go to the store and 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 look right. for that new uh, figure that you want or that new toy that you want or, or that whatever? Uh, you want to go to McDonald's and get some. No, that's you, not a diversion. Right. That's not a diversion. That's a that's a reward.
1: Um,
0: that's right. And, and, right. So we have to avoid that as well. We can't get ourselves into a situation where we're offering um you know incentives um, in, in such a way that the kid could potentially see it as, well, when I melt down, I get something right. that I that I want.
1: Right. And and remember that a meltdown is an emotional event. So don't bring in the cognitive cavalry cavalry, okay? Don't try to reason, don't try to talk, don't try to explain, don't try to threaten. Those are all cognitive things. And this is an emotional event. So you have to think of it, what would you do? And that's why you back up. That's why you back away from this and, and, and don't do anything that will make it worse. Now, after the event occurs, after the meltdown occurs, and it could be an hour or two hours or three hours later. Now, what do you do? Well, the first thing you don't do is you don't punish. Parents say, well, there has to be a consequence. No, no, there doesn't have to be a consequence. This was emotional dysregulation, not done on purpose. And what you wanna do is you want to, rather than punishing the child for having the meltdown, is to teach them how to manage these meltdowns. The meltdowns are gonna continue. You're not gonna stop them, okay? So what you have to do is you have to teach the child how to manage these things. So not punishment, but teaching.
0: Absolutely. Um, Yeah, the I don't understand the punishing. In in my mind, um, you know, when a kid has becomes dysregulated, you know, sometimes they'll make a mess, they'll they'll throw things, or they'll knock things over. Um, You know, picking those things up and cleaning up the mess is consequence enough. That's that's as much as the punishment needs to be. Um, Right. Instead, you know, that's just taking responsibility for what you did. That's not a punishment. Um, right. so, yeah, focusing on de-escalation to focusing on, you know, wow, you know, we got really upset there. Um, you know, remember we use these strategies when we start to feel that way, we do this or we do that. And, um, but like you said, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to punish these out of them. We're not going to punish them well enough to where
1: they'll stop happening. So you're not going to be punished. Absolutely right. You're not going to punish your way out of this. I mean, I know that's your, your I know that tendency. I know, mm-hmm. I know that parents say, well, we have to have a consequence. No, this is, this has, this is something you teach your child to manage. You're not going to punish your way through this. Okay, it right. doesn't matter. You're not, it's not going to work. And so the consequence is you have to do some teaching. Right. You, you have to teach this child how to manage his emotions a little bit better. Remember, the child has the problem here. The child is unable to regulate their emotions. So your job as a parent is not to punish. Your job as a parent is to instruct, is to teach. Absolutely. And this isn't a time either
0: to be, um, I guess I'll just use the word nitpicky. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, Richard, We I know we worked with a couple of families together on, on, where you know, the kid will have a meltdown and, you know, we, we teach them the strategy of, okay, when you start to get upset, what you need to you need to yeah. get away from the situation. So go to your room and just, you know, deal with it in there. And so, you know, they start to get upset. They, they, and so they stomp out of the room and they go in they slam their door and they, and then they deal with it. And then afterward, the parent comes to them and says, you know, I, you know, you need to stop slamming your door. Um, well, I, You know what? You can slam the door all day long if you're using the skill that we're teaching right now. We can deal with this right. thing later. Right now, right. We're focusing on, hey, you did a great job of, of removing yourself from the situation and doing exactly what we're working on. So, you know, great job. Um, And, you know, now let's clean up this mess or let's
1: let's take care of this. What's the problem? Um, and you can you can picture this happening that. The the kids has is having this ready to have this emotional meltdown, and the parent says, "Why don't you just go to your room and cool off?" And the child will say something, "Oh my god!" Then the parent gets angry about, "Oh my god!" You know, they get, yeah. they get angry about. No, no, no. That's just let it go. Yeah. Deal with deal with one problem at a time. Otherwise, you're going to create a whole series of little fires that right. you're then going to have to put out. Just deal with one thing at a time. Right. You know, teach your child how to deal, manage. This emotional dysregulation, these emotional meltdowns. Right. Because that is not
0: that is not disrespectful. That is not being disrespectful. That is really working hard to control probably what he really wants to say. And not saying
1: that and saying that's right. Oh my God. For a kid to oh my god, mom, that's a lot better than a physical attack. Right. Okay. So Count your blessings. You know, that's not going to be a problem. You can deal with that later. Don't don't deal with it during the hurricane while the wind is blowing. Right. So So, one of the approaches we... Yeah, go ahead. Yes. Well, one of the approaches that people are finding now that has become uh, very useful in managing these tantrums is something called responsive parenting. The idea is that uh, you want to respond rather than react. Because most of us as parents, and I'm guilty, we tend to react rather than to respond. And so we want to use something called responsive parenting. Right.
0: And and part of that, you know, we have to reframe the way that we're thinking. Um, You have to to reframe your own thinking as a parent. right. Right. Parents often have a hard time understanding that so much of the, so many of the issues that they're seeing with their kids and so many of the things that are going on with their kids. It's really rooted in how the parent, him or herself perceives what's happening. You know, is the child being disobedient or is the child, you know, was the child distracted and didn't pay attention to what you said? Not not being disobedient and not hearing the instructions are two very different things. The behavior is exactly the same. The things aren't getting done, but the cause Mm -hmm. or the the reason behind it is very different. And so a lot of that comes from the perspective of the parents. So. Remember that the child's not giving you a hard time. The, the child is having a hard time.
1: That's right. That's right. Because as parents, we think my child's... My child... It's not the child who's giving you a hard time. It's the child who's having a hard time. This This emotional meltdown is a signal to you that your child is having a hard time regulating their emotions. Right. So you have to help them learn how to do that, not right. punish them because... This has nothing to do with you. This is their inability to regulate their emotions. So you respond, you respond, but you respond in a compassionate way. This is right. a skill that this child doesn't possess. Right. You wouldn't punish her for not read for not being able to read. So you can't punish her for not being able to regulate her emotions. Right. You teach her how to read, you teach her how to regulate emotions. Right. Stop punishing, start teaching.
0: Right. The second thing to consider is that, you know, behavior... And, and we've said this from the beginning of this podcast, behavior is a, just a form of communication. Yes, right. That's mm-hmm. all it is. Uh, yeah. You know, you can speak, uh, you know, that's the usually the preferred form of communication, but behavior is a form of communication as well. And, and when a child is dysregulated, or even when an adult is dysregulated, let's be honest, um, they tend to resort to more behavioral uh, mm-hmm. physical things than they do verbal things. It's right. just the way that the brain works. You can't, it's much more difficult to access those regions of the brain that's going to formulate and, and, and compose a, a, an appropriate response um, right. when you're upset, but it's really easy to, you know, walk away or to slam mm-hmm. something down. That's
1: a much easier way to communicate that. Right. Yeah. I was giving a talk one time and I was kind of talking about this stuff, all of a sudden, some guy approached the podium, you know, and and I thought, "What's this about?" It, you know, I'm not a world leader, so I wasn't worried about assassination. But I thought, "What does this guy want?" He came up and he laid a, a little slip of paper on the podium and walked away. And after I did the talk, I looked at it, and on the slip of paper he had written, he had written, "Behavior is the language of a child's emotions," right. and I thought, "Good point. That's what." They're trying to communicate with us. They don't have the language skills to express clearly what they're feeling. So they they use the tools just like a little two or three-year-old uses a temper tantrum. Kids Mm -hmm. will use these other tools. This is dysregulation. They're using the tools that they have. So um, what our job is is to find out what they're trying to communicate, teach teach them skills. But the emotional meltdown is a form of communication. Right. Figure out what they're trying to communicate. Right. And the third step that we have talked about many times, and you and I, I know, share, share this viewpoint, misbehavior is the sign of an unmet need. Absolutely. So we, we call it misbehavior, but it's really an unmet need. Ross Green yeah. talks about that. Right. Um, yeah. These are skills that a kid just doesn't have. They, they, right. they, they can't do this stuff. Yeah, either, they, either they, it, they, it's a skill that they don't have
0: or they have a problem that just doesn't have a solution right now. Or they, they have a problem that hasn't they been solved. They can't yet. figure
1: out. That's right. They get confronted by something that they don't know how to deal with. Mm-hmm. And instead of coming, you know, wouldn't it be nice if your child, your seven-year-old would come to you and say, mom, I'm really, I'm starting to dysregulate right now because right. I'm having a very hard time. Most adults don't do that. I right. mean, adults will argue with each other and get angry. Right. So what, how can we expect more of children? So it's probably that the child has some problem that they can't resolve, or they there's some skill deficit that they have. Um, and that's what we need to figure out. What are we dealing with? It's not misbehavior. It's a sign of an, of, of something that they're not able to manage. And so they have a meltdown.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, we, we put the links in the show notes to a couple of articles that talks about about these issues. And uh, we do encourage you to, to read them and to check them out and, you know, let us know if you have any questions or anything else from them uh, that, um, you know, raise questions or inquiries for you. And uh, we'll we'll talk about them some more in the future.
1: Right. Yeah, And I think the thing to remember is that, you know, we talk about reading as a skill that you need to teach. It takes a long time to teach a kid how to read. It takes a long time to learn the multiplication tables. And it's gonna take a long time to teach kids how to manage these emotional meltdowns. There is no quick solution. Right? Punishment isn't gonna work. Um, teaching, you have to teach and you have to respond calmly. And it just takes time to work these out. They eventually will, will work themselves out. Um, you know, they, they might come back in, in the early teenage years but eventually, these meltdowns are going to go away. Most yeah. adults don't have meltdowns. Okay? Absolutely. So eventually, we're going to get them under control. But parents need to respond rather than to react and to be patient because it's not going to change quickly.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So all right. Well, that's it for today. Until next week, stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid.